All right, another edition of the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live's new Penn State football podcast. I should say primarily uh, football podcast because we did talk a little basketball last week. It is Thursday morning. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. We're hoping to hear from Dave Jones, who is supposed to be a regular part of our Thursday podcast. You never know with Dave, Greg. So we're going to we're going to proceed on and hopefully we'll hear from him in a couple of minutes. But, Greg, uh, I think both you and I didn't really expect to be talking about 0-1 Penn State hosting 1-0 Ohio State. Uh, it is what it is. They had every chance in the world to beat Indiana last week. They didn't. But let's look ahead. The Buckeyes, double-digit favorites. Penn State is shorthanded. Um, we've ta- we had a chance earlier this week if the fans didn't ch- uh, have a chance to uh, check it out. We did a crossover podcast uh, with Nathan Baird and Doug Lamarice of Cleveland.com a couple days ago. Please check that out. I thought there was lots of good information, Greg, from uh, the Ohio State uh, football guys about what they think about Penn State and kind of how they see the game. But as we sit about, you know, 48 hours uh, from the game, you and I are going to be going up. Uh, just your thoughts, you know, 48 hours out about maybe the challenge that Penn State's facing. Well, you know, I think by the time this goes live, I'll have a post up, Bob. It's kind of the three things I heard this week that Penn State players and coaches all said had to happen for Penn State to even have a chance to hang in this game. And the first, the first two are obvious, and that's you can't turn the ball over three times, including two terrible interceptions and one muff punt that didn't, you know, that was just seemed like miscommunication. And then, Oh, I'm sorry. Penn State got that back. I'm thinking the Will Levis fumble on the seven yard line um, was the third turnover, but still the punt incident worked in Penn State's favor last week. It's not always going to moving forward. They are do some fumble luck probably, but at any rate, uh, the second one was penalties. You know, James Franklin after the game, Bob, as we, you and I heard was very quick to point out how uncharacteristic it was of Penn State to have 10 penalties. And look, there's, a lot of people I've got a lot of emails from people who said that the face mask was phantom it probably it looked like it was um that Pat Fryermuth's offensive pass interference was a little bit touchy um which it was close I mean I think by the rule it was a foul I mean I, but you don't see it called very often when it really wasn't uh blatant I don't think and then obviously the Jesse Lucetta targeting which James Franklin was pretty adamant that it's yeah. not that he disagreed with the call. He just doesn't know what more the guy can do in that situation. He, of course, will miss Luketa the first half of the Ohio State game. So they got to get rid of those two things. And then explosive plays. We heard a lot about that. And they think they 16% is what Joe Moore had wanted. 16% of the snaps to be explosive plays. Penn State had 12.5% against Indiana, so they were obviously a bit off on where they wanted to be. I guess I'll throw it back to you with this question, Bob, and you look at this Ohio State team, they obviously can make explosive plays. Do you feel confident in Penn State's ability to make those this week? And if so, who's going to make them? Yeah, so let's just clarify explosive plays because everyone's got a a different definition. I believe the Penn State definition of explosive plays are – runs or passes of, of 15 yards or more 12 I mean, or more on the runs and 15 on the passes yeah i mean to me uh i consider explosive plays to be chunk plays and to me greg they are runs or passes of 20 or more yards but it, it depends on your interpretation um what what i did notice is it just seems like and to be fair to penn state you know they don't have journey brown um they don't have noah kane they're replacing kj hamler you know <clears throat> they are not necessarily well equipped uh to be their best version of themselves when it comes to explosive plays. And really, Greg, other than that 60-yard throw 
from Sean Clifford to Jahan Dotson late in the regulation against Indiana. It was a struggle for them to get in the uh, explosive play range. And I don't know, I don't know how you get better at that when you're facing an Ohio State team that is better defensively and is def- definitely faster. But we'll see. We'll see. It was only week one. They hadn't played in 10 months. And maybe they'll be a little bit tighter. Things will go their way. Um, I do feel pretty strongly that Ohio State's going to be able to generate some explosive plays. Even though Penn State played very well, Greg, defensively, uh, save for late in uh, regulation and late, you know, in overtime. 211 total yards to hold an Indiana team to that, I think, was pretty impressive. Um, But really... Um, you, you and I were both at the game last year uh, at the Horseshoe, and James Franklin said it right after the game. Penn State defensively fought about as hard as they could to stay in that, that game. They still gave up 28 points. They forced a lot of turnovers. Had they not done that, Greg, they probably would have given up in the 40s. But really, if Penn State cannot get a handle on Justin Fields' ability to kind of run the ball or extend the play, it's going to put a lot of stress on the back end of that defense. And you just wonder, Greg, with the linebacker core, the way that it is right now with no Micah Parsons because of the opt-out, no Jesse Lucetta in the first half, you know, can they come up with a scheme to kind of limit Justin King or not Justin King, Justin Fields, excuse me, and force him maybe to try and make plays from the pocket? Yeah, they're going to have to, Bob. And I think we didn't see – I don't think we saw any of Keaton Ellis last week. Or if we did, it was very, very little. I don't think he had a snap, though. It's sometimes hard to tell on TV who was in the slot. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you are talking about getting a handle on this offense, I think he's one easy way to go about that. Get him some run. Get him in the game, assuming he's not hurt or anything. Um, And see what he can do. See if he can make a play. We saw him make some very good plays on the ball last year. Uh, We thought he would be a starter. Joey Porter Jr. has come in and kind of wowed everybody, and that's sort of taken over and taken over that starting job opposite Tariq Castro Fields. But I don't think that means Keaton Ellis has completely lost a role on this team, and I won't be surprised if we see more of him as a slot corner, as a cover corner this yeah. week when Penn State goes to the four-two-five. So that is one way that I think this defense could look different compared to what it was at Indiana. But there's no question that Penn State earned some breaks off of bad throws by Michael Penix Jr. or drops by Indiana receivers. They had guys open to convert the ball in the second half, and he just missed them. So Ohio State and Justin Fields, I don't think, will miss those throws, but you never know. Um, If Jason Awe, if that defensive line can get some more pressure, keep him in the pocket and contain him. You know, the biggest problem Penn State was run into with this pass defense a lot of the time is that they get into these scramble drills where guys have too much time to cover downfield. And they're too the the guys on the other side are just too elite and have too much knowledge of where to go the defender can't have, and they get end up in open space uh, and moving the football down the field. So we'll see. Uh, obviously, I think Penn State liked what it did on defense. I do think it could have probably given up some more yards had Indiana play a little bit better. But there was also some pass rushers that caused those throws to be poor. So time will tell Saturday night. But yeah, if you're Penn State, I think you have to weather the first half storm and hope that you know Lance Dixon and Brandon Smith, two guys who were considered elite recruits can go out and make an impact right off the jump. You know, Brandon Smith is a guy that 
I, I played okay, I thought, but he didn't show up really on yeah. the stat sheet. Lance Dixon, uh, kind of the same thing. So, you know, when you recruit well and you and you feel good about a position group, sometimes it doesn't work out because the injury, like we saw with Journey Brown and Noah Kane, they went from one of the strongest running back rooms in the country to a yeah. group that is still very good, but not quite what they were expecting it to be. And with the linebackers, you know, you lose Luketa, but you recruit it very well. And now you need those guys to step up. And, you know, I know you listen to James Frank. Franklin Wednesday night, and he was talking about, and I believe this was in response to a Jason Awe question, but that, you know, you have to have patience and guys take time to mature and all that. And no disagreement yeah. here, but at some point, your guys need to be the guys and go out and make the plays you recruited them to make. And Penn mm-hmm. State will have a chance to show that with those two guys and some other guys this weekend. Yeah. What did you think, Greg? Now, we didn't go to Bloomington. Dave Jones was there. He, he got a better look at it than we did. But from, from your vantage point, what did you see? from Devin Ford um, in his first heavy look as a Penn State running back. I think he had about 20 carries. Um, You know, Noah Kane went out of the game very early. Uh, He looked good early, but he's he's out for the year, lower leg injury. Um, It's going to have to be, at least for the time being, until the freshmen get up to speed on all the facets that go with playing running back, Craig. What uh? What did you see from Devin Ford in the first game? Did you expect him to take a jump forward against a tougher defense? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things we saw with him is is you can't run him the same way yeah. you run Journey Brown and Noah Kane. He's a different back for a reason. And I think Kirk Sharaka is going to have a new attack with this team with him this weekend. And they were kind of stuck where, you know, they knew they weren't going to have Journey Brown, but they expected to have Noah Kane. And they had a game plan set up for Noah. And I think that they were hoping to mix Devin Ford in every now and again as a change of pace guy, but they did not have a plan for him to be the feature back. And so I liked some of what he did. You know, there were times when especially in short yardage that the defense or I'm sorry, the offensive line just didn't get enough push up front on third and two, third and one, fourth and short, you know? And so he hit, looked for a hole to hit, but there was just nothing there. I mean, he was met pretty much either at the line of scrimmage or a yard in the backfield. So there was a lot of talent there. I would like to see Penn state get Kevon Lee more involved in yeah. those short yardage situations. He's a guy that, you know, they were trying to run, you know, Ford's what about 200 pounds, maybe right. Yeah. Like 195, 200. And they were running plays that were drew up for Noah Kane. Who's at two twenty six. Well, yeah. guess who's guess who's in that two twenty six ballpark, Bob Lee is. So I think you'll see more of him in, those situations and that will help get Devin Ford into more ideal situations so I'm not ready to punt on this offense yet I know a lot of people were frustrated (laughs) with Kirk Shiraka's play calling at times and the execution at times and Sean Clifford's play at times I get all that at 500 yards offense man they had 500 yards offense Right. And, you know, they connect on one or two of those uh, plays, either in the short yardage or down the field. And it's a different conversation that we're having heading into Ohio State week. So let's give it one more week, Penn State fans. I know you don't want to, but give it at least one more week. Let this guy work his system. I think you're going to see more drives like Penn State's opening one against Indiana this week than maybe some of what we saw after that, which was disjointed. And you could just tell. And, you know, I don't know if we're giving enough uh, credence to the idea that Penn State was down. It's basically two starting running backs before the game was three minutes old. So that's going to make a difference as well. But at the same time, Bob, the receivers – 
a big week for them. Uh, you know, Cam Sullivan Brown, not a COVID absence, according to James Franklin, but uh, he, they, you know, want to see what they get out of him. It hasn't been much so far. You know, Daniel George didn't take a step forward. It's going to be, Penn State's going to win this game. I think you need at least a touchdown apiece from the two freshmen, Keandre Lambert Smith and Parker Washington. All right. All right. That's almost like a bold prediction pickle. So calm it down a little bit. Just calm it down. We're about halfway through the blue white breakdown, Greg Pickle and Bob Flounders. Uh, I have a couple of very important questions for you regarding this game before I get to them though, Greg, <clears throat> just to remind our audience where they can find us, um, how they can listen to us. Um, and uh, also the fact that we're doing this every day. It's not just me and you and I, Dave Jones is contributing as well, as is Dustin Hockensmith. It's really seven days a week now. We're trying to cover all the bases on a, on a daily basis. But, Greg, where the, what's the best place maybe to kind of uh, listen to and view uh, our podcast? Yeah, it's the Blue White Breakdown from Penn Live, and you can find it on Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, or wherever else you get your audio and podcast. The video version is also live at youtube.com slash State. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, let us know what you're thinking about this game, what you're thinking about the podcast, leave us some feedback, what we can do better and what we're doing worse that we could do uh, slightly not less worse. So give us all the feedback you want. And uh, again, you can find it daily from Dustin Hawkinsmith and three times a week, Tuesday, Thursday, and after each Penn state game from Bob and I. So Bob, I got a question to you to roll things forward. I can't wait. Let's go. Did you get the sense listening to Doug and Nate talk on Tuesday that, Maybe Ohio State's defensive line isn't as menacing as it once was. Did you get that feeling? It sounded to me like maybe they're in a place where they've recruited that position extremely well, but perhaps they don't know if they have the horses at that spot yet like they have in the past. Or did I read that wrong? I don't think you're reading it wrong, but I would just say this, you know, if, if I was the Ohio State coaching staff, Greg, and I knew I had Penn State in week two, I'm, I, no, I'm not trying to disrespect Nebraska, Greg, because I actually grew up as a Nebraska fan, but I don't know that I would have Ohio State's defense ready to bear its fangs against Nebraska. I mean, I think they're just trying to, I mean, maybe play a lot of guys, maybe keep it very simple, uh, get them some experience, get them comfortable uh, in their jobs, because I don't know how much they were really going to need that defense against uh, the Cornhuskers. They're going to need them against Ohio State, but I definitely did get that sense from Doug and Nathan that maybe they were not, it wasn't exactly their A effort. And, you know, maybe that's just a, that could just be a coaching philosophy. They got a new defensive coordinator, um, but they're definitely breaking in some new players. They hadn't played in a while. Um, so we're going to, I think you're going to know early in the second quarter, whether or not the Ohio State defense is going to be as good. Uh, as people think it's going to be. They do have a lot of talent. They've clearly recruited uh, very well. They certainly are not lacking for four and five stars, but I, I think that's a fair question from you. It was a good observation. I bet you both Doug and Nathan would say they were, they were may, not, maybe not surprised, but I, did, I do think that they thought they were expecting a little bit more. I just think that if you're going to see it, you're going to see it this week. Greg, let's just talk you hear it a lot. Like you hear it from James Franklin. He talked about it Tuesday. I think you hear about it a little bit from the players, the sense that, Hey, we're Penn state. We played Ohio state tougher than anyone. We've played them the toughest of anyone in the big 10 in recent years. We could have easily beaten them a couple more times, Greg. It's a new year. It's a different year. 
does that in your mind have any bearing on Saturday night's outcome? It's one thing to be a confident team, but after a couple series, doesn't that kind of go out the window just depending upon the task at hand? Yeah, I think it's almost completely irrelevant. I mean, maybe it gives them a little bit of confidence, but I, I feel like they've been a confident team for the most part since James Franklin got here. And really since 2016, when they first beat Ohio state, it took, took things to a level confidence wise that we had not seen before with this Penn state program in the first couple of years of the James Franklin era. So, I mean, it's great to be close to Ohio state and be competitive with Ohio state. I mean, golf claps for that, I guess, but the players and the coaches on this team, they don't want to – and Sean Clifford said it yesterday. He's like, I didn't come here to hang with Ohio State. I came here to beat Ohio State, which is the mindset that he should have, number one. And number two, I think it speaks to the fact that it's great that you hang in there tough with these guys and that you uh, are giving them maybe the best game that they see all year. But I just don't know how much of a difference it makes, how much of a difference it makes, uh, especially in this year. I mean, they have some guys starting that – played minor or no roles against those Ohio state game, you know, in those Ohio state games yeah. in years past, they have some guys who are working, you know, on offense in particular in a brand new system that Ohio state has not seen before. And that Penn state has not taken against Ohio state. Now Kirk Sharaka has some confidence because I believe the Gophers in years past have moved the ball on Ohio state. Some I could be wrong, but you know, I, I think that it, it's great. Again, it's great that you can say that you've been in it with them in over the years, that's wonderful. But to settle for that is not what James, not who James Franklin is, not who the players and coaches in his program are. And so I think it's a fair talking point this week, but at the, ultimately I think Sean Clifford's nail on the head, which is that, you know, it's great that we've been competitive, but we, we came yeah. here to, to win this game. And so Penn state gets it at home, which has obviously been better for them than on the road, but it's going to be a significant challenge regardless. There's a reason Ohio State's, what, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite, I believe. You know, Penn State's been a double-digit dog to them multiple times this decade. And some games, you know, they've typically fared better than the point spread uh, indicates they would. And I think that could be the case this week. But there's a lot of questions that were not necessarily answered at, in Bloomington last week that they're going to have to have better solutions for this week to not only stay in this game but even have a chance to win. Yeah, um, and I'm going to piggyback on that then, Greg. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people have written about it this week, and I think a lot of people are thinking this as well. You know, it's one thing it's one thing to play Penn State at Beaver Stadium when there's a whiteout and when there's 110,000 people and it's so loud. You can, if you're an offensive player, you can't hear anything, and you get into this. You're you're snapping the ball from the line of scrimmage in the student section, and it's really tough to audible. You know, there's false starts, there's delays of games. It's tough to communicate. That's one thing. And that's a tough, that is a tough environment. People think it might be the toughest environment in college football. Greg, when there is no noise and it's not going to be really a challenge, I think, to communicate. Um, and there's no whiteout. I mean, how much, how much is Penn State going to miss that against a team that, has has the athletes at Ohio State does because it has to it has to have a significant impact on the game. Yeah, I think the point spread tells you all you need to know. Don't you think right. this is a touchdown point spread if this is a whiteout week? Yeah, I would say a little bit more. Yeah, um, and yeah, and Greg, right away, I think the line opened at eight and it shot up. The, it moved like four points immediately, and it's kind of hovering at 12, 12 and a half, 11 and a half. But I mean, you know, it is it is a strength that Penn State 
uh, has is the whiteout and the crowd. It is an advantage. Um, it's, it does impact the other team. Um, I know Ohio State's always embraced that when they had Urban Meyer. He talked about loving that atmosphere. But it takes a while to settle in. It, it just does. I, and, it, and I know Penn State did play Ohio State very tough in 2017 on the road without the whiteout in the horseshoe, and they could have easily won that game. But I just think you're already without Micah Parsons. You're already without Journey Brown. You're already without Noah Kane. Now you don't even have the crowd on your side. If you want to make the list of pros and cons for Penn State uh, to win this game, Greg, those are four, those are four really big pros. Those and they're not. You take those away, um, and Ohio State's not really isn't really missing much. I mean, there's some question whether Chris Olave, the wideout, <clears throat> is going to play, and if they don't have him, that's certainly going to help Penn State. But man, it just is. It is. You know, I was I was just you know when when we were talking about this game before the pandemic started, maybe in January, the matchup, you know, what it was going to look like with Penn state at full strength, Ohio state having to come in, you know, to Beaver stadium. What, you know, what was that going to be? It was going to be, it was shaping up to be just a phenomenal game. And it still might be that way, Greg, but Penn state has, is going to really have to adjust on the fly. It's unfortunate, but you, there's no getting around the fact that they are shorthanded and Ohio State is, in, I think, in a much more favorable situation right now. Yeah, I don't know how you could view it any other way. I mean, they get Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis back from opting out. Yeah. Penn State loses yeah. Parsons to an opt-out. Now they lose a starting linebacker who is replacing him, Luketa, for a half. They lose Journey Brown to uh, – well, you know, I I'm, I guess he's not yeah. going to play this week. I don't know. That whole – it continues to be bizarre where – it's, uh, you know, well, he's his medical condition and he could come back and we don't know when he's going to come back. I mean, I, I'm assuming he's out until we hear any otherwise. But wouldn't it be very James Franklin like to just suit him up on Saturday, Bob, out of the blue? I don't think it's going to happen, but I'll throw things out there just for the heck of it because he hasn't said he's not going to play. So I guess there's that. But, yeah, you lose Brown, you lose Kane. I mean, yeah, there's no question that Ohio State got the better of the pandemic roster shakeout. There's just no question. Um so, yeah, they come in in better shape and in a little bit better form than I think Penn State is. There's no argument to be made there. And so the Lions are going to have to, again, clean up some of the major mistakes they made at Indiana, play better in all three phases. Special teams, probably the biggest one. I mean, you know, there's no Blake Gillikin to save seven point, you know, five points like he did against Ohio State, you know, back in uh, back in 16. So. It's uh, it's going to be a gut check game for Penn State. There's no doubt. We'll find out where they're at, Bob. We'll, I think we'll know much more about where this team can go after this game. I know that's a small branch to walk out on, but uh, we'll yeah, know much on, more Greg. about where things go after this. And I don't think you're going to find too many people picking Penn State to win, but I think you'll find a lot of them inside the number. Well, Greg, then let's get let's not let's not dance around it. You teed me up. Um, we got a couple minutes left here on the Penn State uh, blue-white breakdown. It's going to be me and you giving our picks. I know there's some picks on Penn Live already. I believe there are, or there will be very soon, depending on when you listen to this. How do you see the game? Give me, like, one thing that might swing it the way you see it. 
yeah, I think that we've seen Ohio State, even when Penn State has a lead in the second half or it's close in the second half, they find a way to put a game away or come back and then put a game away. Penn State really has not been able to do that against a lot of teams, Indiana now included in that mix. So I think the Lions will give Ohio State a game. I do. We'll see. You and I will be there from Beaver Stadium to see all the action unfold. And I I guess my biggest concern is that I don't see where Penn State's explosive plays are going to come from on offense. They stay in this game. And I'm not confident in them being able to corral Justin Fields for a full four quarters. So put those two things together. I think, like I said, that Penn State stays inside the number, but I just can't see them pulling this game out. I believe I had it 30-24 to Ohio State in that ballpark. There's definitely going to be some points on the board. I just don't see Penn State scoring enough of them to uh, 34-28, I had it, Bob. I just don't see Penn State scoring enough of them and getting enough stops to win. Yeah, um, the the points you made about uh, the defense and Justin Fields, uh, I think that is probably the thing I would watch – most I, I just think the line Penn State's linebacker group is going to have some issues there. They're, they're, the scenario that maybe they they do corral fields or they make life a little bit miserable for, for them, it's going to have to be the defensive ends playing out of their minds. Penn State's got three really good ones Shaka Tony, Jason Awe, and also Adisa Isaac. They all as the Indian, I thought as the Indiana game went on, they all I thought played better and better and better. Even though Jason didn't have a lot of stats, he was in the backfield a lot. That the Indiana offense uh, offensive line really struggled to handle him. Shaka Tony came alive late in that fourth quarter, had a, had put up some big numbers. Adisa Isaac nearly had that sack, I think, in overtime. I mean, those guys have to get some pressure on fields, but they also have to make make sure he doesn't you know, maybe slip inside them, break contain. They're going to have to play really well. I think it's a huge key. The other thing is I, I have my doubts about Penn State's wideout group getting separation against the, the Ohio State corners. Um, and if you're going to score points against Ohio State, they're going to have to make some plays in the pass game. Uh, it's, it's a tall task. I know you picked it close. I'm not going to pick it close. I, uh, I, uh, I'm going to trust the source I talked to this week who kind of sees it the same way that I do. Um, it's, they, they played them so tough and so close the last couple of years. Um, I don't think, I just, I just think for all the things I talked about with the running backs and no Micah, no, no whiteout, no crowd. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 42, 17 Ohio state. And I, I just think that Penn state can, can rebound after this game. And they've made, they made me look dumb before, but I, I, I just think the combination of what Ohio state has in fields and some of those skill players and what Penn State is missing, Greg. I think this time, this year, in this environment, I think it catches up to Penn State. And they're just going to – I see them really having a hard time as the game goes on trying to match Ohio State play for play. But you might be right. You're usually right. I'm usually wrong. I have a 42-17, and uh, I think it could be a a pretty long second half for Penn State. Where are we at on the clock? Do we have a quick time – time for a quick Dave Jones story or no? Uh, well, it's, we're, we're at 26 minutes. So if it's a quick one, Dave, as everyone knows his season predictions, we missed Dave on this podcast today, but he picked Penn state to lose at Indiana and then win this game called me around noon on Wednesday and was debating whether or not he was going to go back on that pick after watching. Oh, he called me too. He called me too. The flip flopper. He ended up, he ended up picking Penn state anyway, 26, 24. 
he he has he, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start recording my conversations with Dave Jones off so he can he can't claim one way or the other. But he is the world's greatest flip flopper. If you guys don't know it, and also Greg, even though he's not with us. I just want to give a shout out to Dave. It was National Black Cat Day uh, on Tuesday. And uh, I know that's a big day to Dave. He's, he's experienced a lot of them. We're thinking of him. Uh, may he have many more, but yes. He, so he's got Penn State winning? 26-24. I'll tell you what, if he hits the, if he hits the back-to-back upset parlay, Indiana and Penn State, I will tip my cap to him. I don't like to do it, but that would be a pretty, pretty uh, gutsy call on his part. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him soon. 